Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 25th episode of your Lake Orange Sports Broadcasting Podcast, Sweet Seats. I'm Noah Perillo, alongside my host, Reese Meach. How are we doing? And Lyndon Potter. Thank you uh, for having me. So, a few weeks ago, we talked about the Iditarod Alaskan dog sled race. And we had a lot of takes. A lot of them came true. A lot of them fell just short. And we wanted to come back and recap all, all our takes because... We we can say we, we can we need like the people need to know you know I know not everyone's gonna be following it so the people at home the people in the booth they need to know uh, what happened like what happened over the the eight to ten days that uh, we were sled racing so Lyndon let let's start with you let's uh let's see what let's see what you your uh, takes had to do ladies and gentlemen I had a um a pretty boisterous claim that the rookie Gearhart Thire would have a um great showing. The kid from South uh, South Africa moved over to Michigan in 2010. First race, he had a bright future. He had a bright future, not bright enough for the first uh, first round. There's about 49 uh, mushers in this race. Finished 39th. Ooh. Not even top half, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's my bad. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what came. I don't know what came over me. I I saw some in his eyes. Some I saw some in them dogs. I guess I saw it wrong. Yeah, I mean, I guess you did. And if we go over to one of my big takes, Jeff King, the king, came back. And, uh, you know, I thought he was going to come out. But, you know, he came out of retirement to play, 50th anniversary. Medic just took it a little slow and wanted to, you know, just do his last one. Came in 28th. I said top 15 for sure because the GOAT was coming back. But, uh, you know. I feel like you're hedging there, Reese. I'm pretty sure you said number one, no doubt, put the mortgage on. No, 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 no. If I do remember correctly, it was... No doubt, top five. Ah, I, I don't think I said that, but uh, <laughs> you know, let's roll weird. the tape, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Didn't even, didn't even get top twenty-five. You know, I just think I got the perspective of Jeff King wrong in this race. You know, like I said, it was the fiftieth anniversary. He just, I think he just wanted to come out and just do it one more time. You know, to let his career go. And you know, a top thirty finish for how old he is. I mean. He's been racing since the early 90s. You think he's hanging it up after this one? Oh, 100%. I mean, he, he stopped racing before this. He came out of retirement to come in this race, and I think it was just special for him, the 50th anniversary. So That's like when you see, like, Gary Player in the Masters. You know, he doesn't he never makes the cut, and he's been doing it for years just because he can. Mm-hmm. That, that, I mean, it's yeah. like, just like Jeff King. Exactly. Okay, but now let's stop talking about your guys' bums you picked. You thought, you thought you know the Alaskan sled dog racing community like I do. Jesse Holmes was a name I brought up a lot last podcast. And although I did guarantee him number one spot, you know, that's just a little theatrics, you know, you got you got to throw that. He finished third out of 49. Jesse Holmes, you know, he only had four years under his belt, definitely wasn't the most experienced, but I saw something. I knew, I knew the trend, I knew how the trend was where every other year he finishes top five, top ten, and I was like, this is his year, came in third. Now, here's the problem. Dallas Evey and Brent Sass finished almost nine, ten hours before him. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes that's like he's like the Kobe Bryant in a room full of Michael Jordans and LeBron James, you know. He goes out there. He gets buckets. He's not, he's not like, the best player, but he got it done. And I mean, I saw it from a mile away. It was so simple. It was so easy. It was so clear. I didn't know how you guys didn't see it. I didn't see Brent Sass coming out. It felt like he came out of nowhere. I don't even think we said his name once. I'd, I'd never even heard of him until I saw him take that number one spot. I said, who's this kid? Looked into him a little bit. 
he's got it in him. He deserves this win 100%. No, 100%. I mean, it's just, and let's be honest, guys. It's so good to see Dallas Seavey come in second, not first. I mean, I, I wish. I would have liked a little yes, lower. <laughs> I would have liked him to be out of the top 10. That would have been great. But, I mean, Dallas Seavey had the race starting off through Anchorage, probably through Cripple, probably like through halfway through the race. And then it looked like around Elm, right near the end. He right where it gets cold. It. Yeah, right where it gets cold. You're about six, seven days in at this checkpoint. And, you know, Brent Sass just started, just his dog started taking off, and he slipped into first and took the race. What's, no. some, what's almost as good is Brent Sass and Dallas Seavey finished about 25 minutes apart from each other. Yeah. Dallas Sass, Dallas, or excuse me, Brent Sass taking the win. So you got to imagine Dallas Seavey sees him and. I don't know how clear the skies were on the last day, but if it's a clear sky day, you can see him down the down the mountain. You're like, I got to catch up, but he wasn't, wasn't able to do it. I, I imagine Dallas Sevi had no idea because this entire race, checking the scoreboard, Brent mm. Sass kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, he wasn't really he wasn't really top ten the first four or five days. We're thinking, oh, Dallas Sevi, like he started like tenth and he just shot up right to first, and it looked like it wasn't even close. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, wake up one morning, go ididerad.com. Brent Sass out of nowhere. He's like, he's like two hours ahead. He's already at the next checkpoint. No one's even come close to him. I was just like, it was kind of out of nowhere. But it is nice to see, you know, Dallas CV lose. You don't want him to win every year. He's like, he's like the Duke of this, uh, this Iditarod. And I don't really like Duke that much. So I don't really like Dallas CV that much. Even though I respect him for being a legend. Yeah, Dallas Seavey's a legend. I mean, finishing at two, but again, just nice to see him lose. And let's give credit to Noah for picking Jesse Holmes. I mean, that was just, I still can't believe it. Such a wild pick to be top three. Well, everyone claims they watched the Alaskan dog sled racing uh, on TV and on YouTube, but not everyone really does it. You know, I really do it. I, I sit down, I study the film, I make sure I, make sure I know which guys are which and, uh, you know, who, like, you know, I know who's gonna win, who's gonna lose. It's all it all just comes natural to me. Hey, speaking of CV though, Mitch CV had a top ten uh, th- spot this entire race, and then just at the very end fell down to sixteen. Is he getting t- is he getting too old to be racing here? Maybe, man. I mean, I mean, those conditions get tough. It gets cold, you know, and you're older. It doesn't your feel riddled as well. bones. Stri- something else I want to bring up is last year, Mitch uh, Dallas CV finished just over seven days. Now Brent Sass coming eight days, 14 hours, over eight days and a half. Is the race slowing down? What do we think here? I mean, it's like it's like uh, it was COVID year last year. You know, you can't maybe – it's just like how it happens. Like, like you, can't, you can't win a world record every year, every Olympics. They don't just go out and beat the world record. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, you're on your game. Sometimes you're not. And, I mean, Dallas CV, like, doing bad, even though he finished in eight days, 15 hours, 46 minutes, and 51 seconds, which is still an insane score on any race and any Iditarod ever, just shows just the, the versatility of this race and how great it is. Yeah, any of the guys in the top two, Brent Sass and Dallas CV, eight, f- four years ago, that's a record. Yeah. But now it's just, oh, they're kind of slow this year. It kind of shows the competition getting that, to that peak. It's always rising interest every year. Yeah, man, the game's just getting better every single year, more competition. I mean, we saw a lot of these guys finish right on top of each other, which we normally don't, man. You know what I mean? This was a closer race. We had a lot of people finish. A lot of years, some pe- a lot of people don't even finish. We had a lot of people finish this year, and I love to see it. I want to bring it back to Brent Sass, though. He's kind of younger to the sport. Are we seeing a new Dallas C? I don't know if I want to. Jeff King. I mean, it's just it's just one race. It's just one year. 
I mean, he put up a great time, not a world record or anything. But I mean, are we and are we going to start to see a Brent Sass era? Well, that's very interesting because the Pat in 2021 and 2020 he finished third and fourth. In 2021, he did the race in seven days, 18 hours, 41 minutes, 18 seconds. So back to the point, maybe the race is slowing down. Maybe they're getting older. But, I mean, if he if he's consistently throwing up seven, eight-day races, I, I totally could see him pulling out a few, three, four more victories in the next 20, 30 years. 100%. I mean, he could be the next guy. The I mean, next guy. It's not out of it. And one other guy I also want to bring up as well is Peter Kaiser finished at five. Another younger guy who I, I, I'm already, like, looking forward to the next year. Now it's over. It's like the NFL season. Once it's over on Sundays, you're like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Mm. <laughs> it's a long 12 months, Reese Meach. Yes, sir. Peter, so, Peter Kaiser, 2019 winner. But he won it in nine days, 12 hours, and 39 minutes. That might not even be – where would that finish? That wouldn't even be top ten in uh, this year's race, so it's clearly, clearly these racers are getting faster. I, I'm thinking this 2021 race must have just been a freak, freak race where everyone was going super fast because maybe the weather conditions. Yeah. This is an outside sport, heavily conditioned, based on the snow. Mother Nature rules all. That's just how it works. Yes, sir. True to that. But Peter Kaiser still has a lot of years left in him. Obviously, 2019 winner finishes top five this year. I mean, Peter Kaiser and Brent Sass, they're the future of the sport. Now, I think before we wrap up this Iditarod section, guys, boisterous picks for next year. Don't say CV. Don't say Sass. Don't say King. Just want, Maybe not winning at all, but who do you think is going to surprise maybe down at the lower end of this list? Hmm. Putting you all on the spot. I'll go first. Guys, I can't back off the Michigan boy Gearhart Thayart. Ladies and gentlemen, he's going to be here next year, hopefully. Don't know his schedule, but he's going to come back. Michigan, he's ready for the winners. I believe he's now putting stake in uh, Alaska. Rookie this year has now gone around the race, gone around the uh, the old Anchorage Trail, and I think he'll be back next year hungry, and I think his dogs will be even hungrier. I'm going to take another wild take here. Somebody who's been in the race for a while, Martin Boozer, he has, told, he has actually came out and said that next year will be his final race. Oh. He's going out with a bang from Switzerland. I mean, I, to me, it's your last race. I think it was different for Jeff King because he came out of retirement, and he, I thought he just came out and kind of took it slow, did his thing. But, dude, this guy's going to give it his all in his last go. My pick was someone I mentioned on the earlier pod, Kaylin Davis, rookie. She finished 41st out of 49. You know, not, not the best first showing for a rookie, but we got to remember – she is like she's lived her entire life in Alaska. She knows everything. Like it's just like it's so like probably like secondhand where she doesn't even have to realize. She probably recognizes so much stuff and just like knows the elements that that just like can, if she continues to live in Alaska and just keep grinding, I imagine we can watch her uh, go up those leaderboard and in, uh, in years uh, prior, not prior. I mean, sorry, in the future, and win some races. Definitely excited for 2023, even 2024, to see what these guys can uh, go out there and do. 100%. All right, let's go to the second most important sports event of this uh, March. this March, March Madness. And let me tell you, there's a lot of madness going on. I, I think, I mean, it would be wrong if we just didn't start. St. Peter's over Kentucky. Yikes. Hey, 
I am 100% my bracket right now, except that game. That game S- screwed me. So you're not 100% your bracket <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think anyone saw this coming. Kentucky was 18.5-point favorites. You know, they kind of just writ- written St. Peter's off. And no one really knew. Like, St. Peter's, they don't play in a – not even like a – like group of six conference, they don't even play. Like they just play nobodies, yeah, but they, you know, they won their conference. They got the buy, and then all of a sudden they're out here beating Kentucky a blue blood. But now in the future they got Murray State. No, I know you're big on Murray State. Do you see this as a fluke game, or do you see this as a Cinderella story? Oh, Murray State. I, I mean, if I'm looking at my bracket right here, and I'm looking, I'm looking at the Final Four, and I see Murray. I look at Murray State, and they're in the Final Four. It's because Murray State's that team. St. Peter's had a great time, you know. Congrats to them being Kentucky, but Murray, this Murray State team is just too fast and plays too hard a defense to let St. Peter's uh, do do what they did to Kentucky to let that happen to them. Defense wins championships now. Absolutely. And I think the other bracket buster of a game, Richmond taking it over Iowa. I mean, dude, I, it's not called this a bracket buster. <laughs> I mean, it, it's Iowa. They oh, it, it's It's the whole Iowa program. It's their whole school. They always get hyped up, ranked high. What were they in football this year? Number two, they blew. Michigan beat them by 40 points. I think, were they unranked at the end of the year? Yeah, I, I they were. I don't even know. It, it's the same thing every year. Iowa teams always suck. I'm telling you, it's the middle America teams, I'm talking geography, mm-hmm. that always choke. Kansas never plays good in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Iowa never plays good in the tournament. Kentucky never plays good in the tournament. I mean, Kentucky usually does. But <laughs> well, they <laughs> had that one year. But other yeah. than that, I mean, yeah. it's 2022. I mean, you want to be on a coast? You want to be on a coast or up north, baby? Just watch out. <laughs> I think let's look at some of the most like watching all the games. There are two very electric games that happen between Creighton, San Diego State, and Murray State and San Francisco. Both games went to overtime, and both games were some of the most insane basketball I've ever seen. Let's start with Creighton and San Diego State. Creighton, 20-point deficit, finds a way to pull it out. I mean, I mean, San Diego State, what happened? Bradley, Bradley, one of some of the biggest shoulders in college basketball, just like, I mean, for how big his shoulders are, he couldn't carry San Diego State. He didn't get a shot off at the end of regulation to, to try to put him up. I mean, that's just a total fumbled game. I mean, I, it, it's almost like leaves you speechless. Yeah? Like, what do you do? Like, if you're the coach, what, what, do you, what are you saying to your players after that game? Just if you're a senior, yeah, uh, goodbye. If you're, <laughs> if you're anything but a senior, be like, you better come to work next year. I would be livid if this happened to me. Oh, I, I, I can't imagine. That's just absolutely fumbled. Now let's talk about my volunteers. Yes, sir. You and I both have these guys win it all and had a dominant performance over Longwood. Going to be honest, didn't know where Longwood is. Virginia, coast team, should be doing good in this tournament, according to Reese, but Tennessee looked dominant out there. I mean, Tennessee's been good all year. They're a sleeper pick. I mean, I mean, they are ranked number three overall, but I think a lot of people are doubting on them. They can beat any team in this country. They beat Arizona, who's a number one seed. They beat them on early in this, earlier in the season. I mean, Tennessee can play with anybody. They're fast. They're playing Michigan up next. I mean, that's going to be a heck of a game. I mean, I'm excited for that one. I watched like 10 minutes of that Tennessee-Longwood game, and I don't think Tennessee missed a three. 
Mm-mm. in that entire 10 minutes, including commercial breaks, but still, it was like five, <laughs> six threes. You know, that's insane. They just they just played lights out, and their defense was even more impressive than their offense. They just ran they, – they, they just got physical, ran the ball down. I mean, they threw some crazy dunks down. I mean, Longwood didn't have a chance from the gut, from the starting gun. Yeah, I, um, I tuned in for, I think, the entire second half, waiting for one of my guys, Kent Gilbert, to come in. Unfortunately, did not touch the court. Hasn't played the game since December 14th, but I was looking forward. And maybe he'll touch the court here against Michigan. Will it be a blowout? Yeah, he'll be touching the court. Kenny G will definitely be touching the court. And Michigan's up 20 with uh, like Ooh. 10 seconds to go. No. You know, they're shooting free throws. Yeah, and then Kenny takes them back. Drains <laughs> <laughs> hey, about 18 threes in a row. Yeah. But, no, I, I know you got Michigan making a run. It's a bl- little bit of a hot pick in 2022, but you had them winning this first game, got it done. What do you see in Michigan? Well, what I do, I, I do the same thing every year. I pick Michigan State and Ohio State to lose first or second round. I take Michigan to the Sweet 16. The past four years, it's worked out perfectly. I don't know why I would stay away from it. You know, they went down 15 to Colorado State. Former SBC member, Alden Ritt, is trying to size me up in the commons, you know, yelling at me, laughing at me. I said, Alden, just wait. Just wait. There's 25 minutes of basketball left. You never know what's going to happen. It's March. It's madness. You know better than anybody how to blow a lead in a basketball game. Oh. And, and look look what happened. They won by 12 points. 12 points. That, that's, almost, that's almost to the 15. That's almost a 30-point deficit. Like a uh, flip of the switch. I mean, I mean, this Michigan team, they're, they're going to find their stride. Tennessee should be scared, even though Tennessee played probably the best basketball last night. <laughs> they're hot. Uh, yeah, you got to watch out. I mean, Tennessee might be peaking at the right time to make a run. It doesn't matter, you know, Juwan Howard comes back, Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> I, I'm just keep riding with my guys, you know. It's like they've made a sweet 16 in the past four years. I'm not going to stop picking them. You're not going to get me to do anything against them. So, yeah. And so, Noah, you talked about going anti-Ohio State. They pl- play in just about one and a half hours against Loyola Chicago. I think maybe 80% of this country has Loyola Chicago. Maybe just riding off the wave of a couple years ago, maybe just because Ohio State hasn't had that year. Noah, are you very confident in Loyola Chicago? Well, yeah. Sister Jean is a witch. I mean... Is she still I around? Mean, yes, we, yes we, she is. Do we really know if she's still around? Oh, yeah. 100%. She's around. People, she's she, not a puppet or anything? She's no, really she's a around? witch. Okay, okay. <laughs> she's a witch. I mean, I mean, there's really not much more to explain to this. Loyola Chicago team is relatively... Like, they didn't do anything for so many years, and all of a sudden, Sister Jean gets the spotlight, and all of a sudden, they're making Final Four runs, Elite Eight runs, you know... They they have a favorable matchup against Ohio State, who's shown to let up against like worse teams. They almost lost to Akron, who almost beat UCLA, and just and just like letting up bad Big Ten like like even at home losses. So I mean, the, Vegas has it as an even game. I see it as an even game. It could go both ways, but I gotta go with the Ramblers because that dark magic is just is just too much for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Hundred percent, I'm agreeing with Noah here. Ohio State screams mid to me. Uh, a little overrated in my opinion. I mean, they have everything in the world, and they just they can't pull off big games. So was it 2018 when Loyola Chicago had that legendary run? 2018, 2019? Am I getting that right? I believe so. It was 20. I believe 2018 was the Final Four, and 2019 was the Elite Eight. But it could be it could yeah. be interchanged. That Final Four year, Sister Jean said, "I'm giving up losing for Lent." <laughs> First game after Lent after Easter, they lost. So we'll see her what her. Uh, <laughs> what she gave up for Lent this year. But going back to the Michigan teams, Michigan State, Davidson, 9.40 p.m. tonight here in the Eastern Standard Time. Reese, who do you got? We got to root for the storyline here. I mean, 
you live in Lake Orion. You're close to Clarkston. Guarded Fletcher lawyer, his younger brother in middle school. <laughs> Man, I, Did you I, lock him up, though? He dropped 40 in the first half. <laughs> and then they took him out. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think you got to root for the storyline here. You know, I'm a Michigan State guy, but this game I'm taking Foster Lawyer. He's getting on some revenge. Yeah, I, I've played against lawyers too. He, he he didn't drop 40 on me, but, you know, he put up like probably like 22, 23, just backing me down the post. <laughs> Foster Lawyer revenge game. I have Davidson taking this one in a tight one. I'll be different Michigan State. Good for you. That's all the time we have for today. Check out Tuesday's podcast where T-Rat will be hosting the 26th episode of Sweet Seats talking about the March Madness Tournament. I'm Noah Prill alongside Reese Meach and Lyndon Potter. Everyone have a good one.